Oh, good afternoon. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Rebel News Daily Livestream, what we're calling Breakdown, and I'm joined by a new face today, not a new face to the team, but a new face to the hopefully still clean Airbnb in Ottawa that's serving as our satellite studio, Alexa Lavoie. How's it going, guys? Oh, my God, what a day. I'm sure that you were overwhelmed from what happened today. It was incredible. I am uh, exhausted. I feel about <laughs> 20 IQ points stupider, and um, <laughs> I feel like all of my psychic energy was drained by listening to lies, obfuscation, and far more words than necessary to say the thing that you wanted to say. I felt like Justin Trudeau was just talking, talking, talking to wind down the clock on some of the mm -hmm. uh, adversarial lawyers. What do you guys think? No, you're totally right. I mean, Justin Trudeau, we know how he is. By the way, nice to see you too, Sheila. Uh, I didn't get an introduction yeah. after being out of the live stream for two days because I was sick. The commission was so long. Uh, it was a very interesting day. Justin Trudeau's testimony, you saw him lie multiple times. He said that he never called unvaccinated Canadians names. He said, I never did that. Yes, you did, buddy. You said it in French, which is the reason why you did parts of your testimony in French, because you wanted to make sure that we couldn't just clip it right away. Um, yes. It was lies yeah. after lies after lies, manipulation, trying to say something longer than, than she wanted to. And Eva Chipiuk's strategy in her cross-examination was great because it didn't give him time to actually walk around the answer and talk around the answer. She took the time that she needed to, to make her point. She made it great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, before we get too far into the weeds here, I should tell everybody what we're doing. So we are covering, this is our, our daily analysis. And today, thankfully, thankfully is the last day of witnesses and testimony after 31 days. Why does it feel like longer? Um, it feels like longer, but it also so feels like less. Um, of the Public Order Emergency Commission, what we're calling the Trucker Commission, um, because it is the fail-safe examination built into the Emergencies Act to prevent tyrannical buffoons and e egomaniacal crybabies like Justin Trudeau from invoking a wartime law on peaceful dissidents, which is exactly what Justin Trudeau did when the anti-mandate convoy for freedom rolled into the nation's capital. And so right now, this is, as I said, the public examination. All the decision makers are being called. All the fact finders are being called. And even some of the victims were called. And as William alluded to, convoy lawyer Eva Chipiak was the real star of the show today. Mm -hmm. uh, she yeah. got her chance to cross-examine Justin Trudeau. And she had a very a clever strategy because Justin Trudeau is, if nothing, a predictable idiot. And she knew that he was going to waste time and not answer any of her questions anyway. So she really didn't ask all that many questions. What she mm -hmm. did was she took the opportunity to do what the truckers went to Ottawa to do. And that was to make Justin Trudeau hear them. And so part of her cross-examination was her reading statements from people who were either in the convoy or people who were in Ottawa or people who felt nothing but despair until the truckers rolled through their town or were appalled that because of the prime minister's rhetoric that they could no longer um, visit. There was division in their family. People were saying that they should die or be denied health care. 
she made Justin Trudeau sit there. And whether or not he took it to heart, I doubt. But he did have to sit there with an awkward, goofy grin on his face mm. while he heard the pleas of Canadians. So mm. well done. Well, she, she, Sheila, if, if I can just super quick say what you just said in a different way, because Please, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's relevant. Brendan Miller, you saw him throughout the inquiry, bring a lot of legal precedents, bring a lot of legal questions of why it was not legal for the government to invoke this unprecedented extraordinary emergencies act on the peaceful protesters who were in Ottawa to process the government. And I mean, it was all in the record, the unlawful redactions. I mean, we've got a bunch of documents that are all redacted. One document we saw today had a tons of pages redacted. So he, he was there on the legal side. He did an excellent job doing the, le the legal side of things. And today, I think that we saw Eva Chipiuk play on the emotional side and show the emotional part of the Emergencies Act inquiry. What happened? Mm -hmm. Why were the protesters actually in Ottawa? She showed the emotional side of the inquiry. And I think that both Miller and uh, Chipia created, uh, created a great combination mm -hmm. together and were able to, to achieve the goal of the, the Freedom Corp. What do you think? But I would say, but first of all, I saw Mr. Trudeau using a lot of speculation. Instead of basing his statement on fact, it was like, but mm -hmm. if a police officer will have been killed or a grandma who have been, I don't know, like run over by a truck but this is speculation base yourself on fact what really happened did that happen did re do you really think that this was going to happen oh i'm sorry a woman was trampled by a horse but that was not from the convoy that was from the police you didn't mention it but anyway um it was really interesting to see the commissioner needed to intervene of the audience because the audience was laughing or reacting to what Mr. Legault, uh, Legault. I'm in Quebec now, Trudeau. Trudeau. Wrong tyrant, but. wrong tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> the issue will come later. But um, the, the fact that the commissioner needed to say, please stop laughing and reacting to uh, Mr. Trudeau's statement, or we will enforce it. So afterwards, like people get back to, to calm, but it was kind of a different energy. The place was packed. Not the single seat for the audience was available. Some people were waiting online outside in case that some place was available because if you were leaving the place, someone were capable to take your place. And the security was enforced and we were scanned at the beginning. We were searched by dog and Mr. Trudeau didn't pass by the normal place that witness usually pass. It was just, it just sneaked in on the back and it just disappeared afterwards. Like for making sure that nobody had the chance to ask question or to challenge him with other questions afterwards. Well, you know, people were waiting outside, but they also opened a second auditorium in the commission in the back where the lawyers usually go from what I understand for people to watch the commission inside the building. So I'd say there was probably around what, 70 people, a little bit more inside the commission room. Then there were probably 10 to 15 people consistently waiting outside the commission. And then there were probably around 20 people in the auditorium. It was huge mm -hmm. today. Uh, Efron tells me that my microphone is clicking again, and uh, I just want to apologize if anybody at home is experiencing that. It's a Skype issue. It's not a microphone Seems issue. Seems fine so. to me. 
Okay, great. Hopefully, hopefully it's good because uh, even when I listen to the playback, I'm like Sheila. Gosh, you're annoying. Let's um, let's go straight into uh, some of these clips uh, because Justin Trudeau, you know what he's like. He likes to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. And today he was uh, fashionably late, but I would say it was more like obnoxious. Let's roll clip one, please. Olivia. <laughs> wow. Um. Maybe we'll take a few minutes. Uh, I'm not sure where the process is, a bit anticlimactic. Um, <laughs> uh, so. Should we, should we take five minutes? We... I think we'll take five minutes then and see, and you can come and get me when it, uh, it is. Thank you. The commission is oh, in recess no, for okay. five minutes. The commission is in for six minutes. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. It's, a, it's just a bit of a false start. It was so funny to see his face when he entered and everybody was going to stand and maybe do something. And he was just like looking at everybody like, and it was like, do you realize you're late and everybody was waiting for you? Oh, of course yeah. he realized he was late. He doesn't care. <laughs> He doesn't care about anybody's time. He doesn't care about respecting the commission's time. He knows that these guys are on a tight timeline. By him being late, uh, a lawyer didn't get to ask an extra question because he's got to keep her on a tight timeline. And he, Trudeau doesn't care. Yeah. Well, no. here's the thing, though. Trudeau was at the commission 40 minutes before the beginning of the inquiry. He snuck in the back. We saw the three government SUV go in the front, stop at the front. And I thought, oh, well, he's going to enter on the public entrance and we'll be able to actually film him. But no, those three same SUVs continued. And surprisingly, a few minutes afterwards, he was inside the commission. But he was there 40 minutes early. And he still found a way to show up in the actual room 20 about about 40 to 40 seconds to a minute late uh later than he wants than he was supposed to that's our that's because that's our national drama teacher <laughs> i think it's a his version of a power move to make sure that mm -hmm. you know everything's running on his time i'm gonna skip ahead olivia and we're gonna go to clip four because i know we have a gazillion clips yeah. and oh, um yeah. as i said i don't have the psychic energy <laughs> for this today i had to listen to justin trudeau talk for like eight hours straight um let's go to clip four i know you guys did too uh let's go to clip four um justin trudeau said the quiet part out loud and then he realized that he had said something stupid and uh since he is a buffoon he tried to fix it by making it worse um <laughs> let's go to clip four but in terms of uh, responding to their demands uh, or or legitimizing them by engaging. I'm highlighting that I'm worried about setting a precedent uh, that a blockade on Wellington Street can can lead to changing public policy. People need to be heard, uh, but we need to get that balance right. Uh, and then uh, she agreed that I need to be cautious and I don't want to set any bad precedents. 
Okay, so fairly self-explanatory. There's there's a a willingness to to discuss, but you you were concerned about setting a precedent where uh, a blockade could equal a, a a change in public policy. Is that fair? Yeah, uh, I think we we have uh, a robust functioning democracy and. Uh, Protests, public protests, are an important part of making sure we're getting messages out there, and Canadians are getting messages out there and highlighting how they feel about various issues. Uh, but using protests to demand uh, changes to public policy um, is something that that I think is 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 worrisome. Okay, thank you. Hello. Sorry, to a certain extent. No, no, extent. please go on. Yeah, you know, protests, if you're out protesting that the government is, you know, shutting down a, a safe injection site or something, you are asking for changes in, in public policy. But there is a difference between uh, occupations uh, and, and, you know, saying we're not going until this has changed uh, in a way that is massively disruptive. Uh, and potentially dangerous uh, versus just saying, yeah, we're protesting because we want uh, we want public policy to change and we're trying to convince people to get enough of them that politicians will listen to enough people saying, okay, uh, I'm going to lose votes if I don't change this. Uh, that's the usual way uh, protests uh, uh, can be effective in, in our democracies. What an idiot. What, a, what an absolute idiot. Like, he, first, he says you shouldn't you shouldn't protest to change public policy. That's literally the the main reason people protest, especially the government, is for a change in public policy. And then when he goes to correct himself, because even he realized, hey, that's a really stupid thing I just said. Mm -hmm. But when he tries to fix it, he does something extra, because then all of a sudden he says, um, not all protests are bad just the ones that disagree that disagree with my progressive viewpoint and you can come to that conclusion based on the example that he gives so first he says no you can't be protesting for a change in public policy out there what do you people think you're doing and then he says oh no wait that's a bad idea if you want to protest um let's say uh because the government's closing a safe injection site where you can give yourself poison uh to put yourself in an early grave that's fine so as long as you're protesting for things that Justin Trudeau get, disagrees or that he agrees with, that's not worrisome. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, when he tried to fix it, he made it worse. But that, I think that's the story of the prime minister in general. And by the way, I don't know if you realize, but through the old commission, everybody have different date where the emergencies act was actually bring it up for maybe a potential strategy. Some people have like uh, say that it, it was on the 4th of February. Today, Justin Trudeau, we're talking about the 10th of February that really began to talk about the Emergencies Act. It was saying that in the same day, he said that it was at the beginning an idea to stop the yeah. blockade. So who is lying or who is not telling the truth there? They're lot like they are um, contradicting themselves the more they talk. So Justin Trudeau says the tenth, but then he said it was an idea from the very beginning. I think that's uh, clip six. We can throw to this, and then uh, I have just some quick notes about what some of the other uh, snake cabinet ministers said throughout the week, what their timelines were. And it's so weird because they're all sitting in the same cabinet meetings and all saying different things. 
So mm-hmm. um, let's go to clip six, if you wouldn't mind, Olivia. Et cetera. And I'm wondering if you can describe, if someone asked you, um, when did the Emergencies Act come into play as a possibility? Uh, how, how would you answer that? Oh, as, as an idea, um, it would have been from the very beginning, in the back of our minds, is you see a situation that um, is an emergency, is out of control, is has a potential for real impact on citizens, potential for violence, uh, real concerns about what's going on, not just in Ottawa, but right across the country. Uh, the Coots blockade that started up uh, on the same first weekend uh, that the Ottawa uh, occupation did. These are the things that um, you say, okay, as we look at a whole range of potential outcomes in this, there might be a moment where we have to invoke the Emergencies Act. <laughs> that that makes me almost laugh because afterwards he was th- talking about, uh, but we needed to have the Emergencies Act for accompanying the torch truck. And I was just like, Do you, did you use that because nobody wanted to com- comply to the fact that you wanted them to do yeah. the dirty job, but nobody wanted to do it. So you had the trouble to make them compelling to what you asked. And so you decided to take the Emergencies Act. Well, well, well not, not only that, uh, that, that's what I was just looking at on my phone. I was trying to find section two of the CSIS Act. And Justin Trudeau mentioned the potential for violence or the potential it's for not potential, is it? activities. Well, that's what I was just looking at the CSIS Act. And I see section A, espionage or sabotage. Uh, the B, foreign influence activity. C, activities within or relating to Canada directed towards or in support of a threat or use of acts of serious violence and the activities directed towards undermining by a covered unlawful act or directed towards or intended ultimately to lead to destruction or overthrowing of the government. Nowhere here you see the potential for an unlawful or violent Smart activity. Young because man. then uh, mm-hmm. as, as soon as <laughs> as soon as someone walks around in the street and I see a car coming at me, but I know there's a red light. I guess I'll just call Justin and I'll tell him, Justin, can you please invoke the emergencies act? Because I feel there's the potential for me to be hurt by the car. The car might run me over. Justin Trudeau is not a lawyer, even though he tried to act like a lawyer. Justin Trudeau did a lot of uh, said a lot of false. The drama things. teacher. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's our national drama teacher. He said a lot of false things today at the commission. I don't think he had a proper understanding of the law, and I think the way he was trying to phrase it, he tried to re reframe the law to make it fit his narrative but whenever yeah. chip Yuka, brendan miller yeah. or alan honor who i see is in the rbnb right now um go on the stand and actually ask question they're able to set the record straight and those are the cross-examinations that i feel are most relevant for you to watch yeah i, I mean justin Trudeau said it was a consideration from the beginning then he said it was february 10th bill blair told global news before forgetting that he told Global News that he it's wanted to vote from the very beginning. Yeah, it's uh, Bill Blair amnesia, and it was contagious. Everybody caught it in the cabinet meetings. Mm-hmm. It's worse than COVID. Um, then we've got uh, David Lametti about uh, 30 hours into the convoy. He was saying, uh, maybe we should use the Emergencies Act on these people. Or like, maybe we should crush them. Or a tank. You know, Why like not? maybe we could drive over them, <laughs> over them with a tank. Um there was a lot of uh, peaks into Justin Trudeau's mind, and nobody wants to do that. 
but we got paid yeah. to do it today. So we did it. Um, I, I think it's clip 13 where he is going through in obscene minutiae, just the soul sucking conversation that he made us all sit through that he was having with himself. So he's having this like back and internal back and forth with mm-hmm. himself. But hey, Justin, should we do this? I don't know, dude. Would it be cool? Uh, why don't we skateboard to work? Like it was just <laughs> nonsense. Uh, it's clip 13 where he's going through like the internal struggle he would have us believe that he had to put up with before he invoked the Emergencies Act. Like anybody believes any of this BS. Anyway, it's 13. He felt and bad. I reflected briefly on... First of all, the reassurance that it gave me that the entire system, all the inputs in the system had come up to uh, the clerk of the Privy Council, the top public servant in Canada, impartial, um, professional public service, making the recommendation to move forward on this was essential to me. But I also reflected on, okay, what if I don't sign it? What if I say, okay, we now have advice from the professional public service to invoke a public order emergency. And I decide, you know what? Let's give it a few days. Where the professional public service had made a determination that the thresholds were met, that the use of it was appropriate and, you know, responsible and the measures were the right ones that we were going to put in it. And I said, no, you know what? Let's wait and see another few days, another week to see if we really need to do it. Uh, As if it will have done that. (laughs) Right. Waiting. Right. I wonder what I would do. You know, Justin, let's sleep on it. Let's pray on it, Justin. Like nobody thinks that he had a serious internal conversation, an internal dialogue with himself about invoking the Emergencies Act. He said it was Mm -hmm. something he wanted to do from the very beginning. He did it. And now he's trying to rewrite the law to make it fit what he did. That's what this the whole 31 days comes down to. 31 days. The government said at the very beginning, we're going to do this to these people. Why? Because we don't like what they're saying and they're embarrassing us. And then now they're trying to gaslight us and rewrite history and make us think that the Emergencies Act says something that it definitely doesn't so that they can get away with invoking a wartime law on peaceful dissidents in the nation's capital like he's Hugo Chavez. Yeah, well, I I think rewriting history, because I I know I only have a few minutes on, I just want to touch on one point before I let Alan Hodder join the live stream. Talking about writing history, uh, rewriting history, the government of Canada, this is definitely what they're trying to do, and they're trying to do it in an unfair manner. We, We keep seeing the pages of redacted documents. We see literally complete pages of redacted documents. For what reason? Well, we see S39. Parliamentary privilege, S37. But the worst one out of all of them, in my opinion, is irrelevant. Who are you to decide whether or not an information is relevant? And even if it's re- irrelevant, why why should it not be put at the commission? Today we saw Rob Kitteridge bring that point up. Um, there's the government of Canada who deemed a section of a document prior to today as being irrelevant. And then today, Rob Kittredge brought that up, showed what they actually thought was relevant, and they were talking about tow trucks. 
and about strategies to get more tow trucks and things in relation to tow trucks, which means that it was in direct relation to the Emergency Act inquiry, to the Emergency Act itself. So the government is playing unfair games, and they're trying to rewrite history in an unfair manner. And I'm sorry, but I need... Yeah, go ahead. I just because of the redacted document that we're saying, I I actually laugh so much when the lawyer um, say um, you will agree that you want us to read the plan, but you will oh, also gosh. agree that we cannot we cannot read it because it was just mm -hmm. a big square blank. There was page. more to that. <laughs> So that was the lawyer for the CCF, so the Canadian Constitution Foundation. Yeah. Justin Trudeau had said, I think it was, right? Is that right? I think it was Rob Kittredge from the GCCF. No, there's another one. No, there's another one. We're talking about the, the police plan. So Is Justin Trudeau had said earlier in his testimony, everybody should really read this police operational plan. But then Justin Trudeau goes on to dismiss the operational plan as no real plan at all. And then, so the lawyer, I think it was for the CCF, could be the CCLA, it's, but I think it's the CCF. It's said, clip 22. Um, yeah, it's clip 22. Uh, let's show that because it's really something else. Justin Trudeau says everybody should read this plan, but guess who didn't read the plan? And there's no possible way he could have because it's completely redacted. And um, he dismissed the plan as no plan. And it's like, you didn't even read it. What do you mean? Like, it was just crazy. I <laughs> But good for, I think, I'm 99% sure lawyer for CCF. Um, good for him for producing that and noticing that Justin Trudeau lied through his teeth earlier in the day. It's clip uh, 22, if you wouldn't mind. So I, I certainly like, had not read it on the 13th. Okay. And so I, I'd like to just, um, Mr. Registrar, I, I'd just like to walk the Prime Minister through the pages, not so he could read it because we don't have time, but just to point out that this is a heavily redacted document. So page one is the cover page. Page two is, a, is this signature page. If we could go down. Page three is a description of the situation and the mission. Mm -hmm. And then, Mr. Registrar, if you could please, please scroll down. Uh, the rest of this document has been redacted. So that's page four, <laughs> page five, page six, uh, page seven, page eight. So, Prime Minister, you said we should read this plan. We can't. Uh, it's your. It's within your legal authority to instruct your council to remove these redactions. For the sake of the com of the transparency of this commission, sir, would you consider that request? I object to that. Uh, on behalf of the Government of Canada, it's Brian Gover once again. This is putting the Prime Minister in an odious position. Uh, Prime Minister, can I put it to you this way? You said we should read the plan, but I think you would agree we can't. Uh, indeed. Uh, I, uh, I, as I said, I haven't read the plan, but we're in a situation where, uh, as can be imagined, uh, I have have access to uh, unredacted information uh, and what I know and my understanding of this plan uh, was, and I'm happy to testify to that, uh, that it was not a complete plan of engagement. Oh but he also God. didn't read it. But he also <laughs> didn't read it. He's like, everybody should read the plan. Okay, can we? No, uh, we're not going to, we're not going to remove those redactions. Oh, also, you didn't read the plan? No, but I understand it's incomplete. And I'll testify to that. How the hell do you know that? Like it just yeah, no, it just touches on the whole unfairness and 
a completely absurd and ridiculous way that the government of Canada is, is conducted conducting itself. The DOJ is redacting those documents for because they're irrelevant, and we're seeing these this plan. That's a super important plan. Yeah, it's huge, and we saw yeah. at least four pages of it absolutely blank we're not able to read anything about it because our corrupt government is redacting all of it it's unbelievable and, and did you see the face of justin trudeau trying to not like starting to laugh out loud like he's just like he like, you he, know what <laughs> i was just i was watching his face as like the lawyer is like okay well we go on the first page oh and here's the table of contents like here's the cover page and then it rolls up to black. <laughs> but like Justin Trudeau, when he's like, okay, well, here's the cover page. And he's like, yep, yep. Here's the, yeah. yep. You know, as though he had seen it before, but he totally didn't. And like, here's the table of contents. He's like, yep. As, again, as though he had seen it before, which he totally didn't. And then this just black pages. And <laughs> he's yeah. so stupid. He's so stupid. I feel better uh... now laughing at him. No, yeah, yeah. Well, better, better to laugh than cry yeah exactly i think it's a situation to to laugh at a little bit ellis i know that we have alan honor on yeah let's get Alan. um in, in a in a few minutes but just before alan comes on i want to touch on the closing statements because i don't think that a lot of people have seen it and i think that you left right before those yeah, happened I, unfortunately and the closing statements were very interesting you saw basically the parties taking position on whether or not the use of the emergency act was necessary or not and there's some parties like um the the city of ottawa i'm not sure what their position war was it didn't really specify an, a specific position same for windsor um or the 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 ottawa police um yeah windsor police service as well uh, however the opp said they would stay impartial uh freedom corp we all know what their position was which they were against the emergencies act and i suggest that everyone go take a look at eva chipiuk's closing I statement think we're good. yeah i think we're gonna post it in full on on the yeah. website um, yeah. It was incredible. You could tell she was starting to choke up a little bit. She was the yeah. perfect bookend to Brendan Miller uh, running hot all the time. Um, she was thoughtful. She was um, she really spoke for the people who just wanted their prime minister to listen to them. And she yeah. spoke to the hurt that that caused them to go there. And she said, these people were coming to Ottawa to protest the government's overreach and you know what the government did to them overreached again on them she said the government chose force state violence instead don't of forget. peaceful engage instead of peaceful engagement every time don't forget, don't forget what uh, mr trudeau say oh i'm moved and i was moved and i was like no you're not moved like he, yeah like he moved out to the cottage that's what he did. As soon as they got right. there, he's like, "Oh, going to the cottage. We're out of here." Oops, I got COVID again. It's it's that time again. I got COVID, and he moved yeah. out of town. <laughs> yeah, he said that during the uh, during the, uh, the the last cross examination. But yeah, to come back to the closing statements, the government of Alberta firmly stated that they were against the use of the Emergencies Act. Government yeah. of Saskatchewan firmly stated Same. against the use of the Emergencies Act. Government of Canada all in favor of the emergency act because according to them keith wilson admitted during his testimony that the protest quote-unquote attracted what did they say violence ideologically motivated violence and violent group to ottawa 
So according to them, it was all justified because of this alleged uh, accusation. Of course, well, as we said, the emergency was not necessary, yeah. according to Freedom Corp. And one last person that I want to touch on is the indigenous group from British Columbia. Um, well, I, I missed part of her of their uh, of their cross examination, but in the part that I in the part that I remember, they said that the use of the emergencies act and the consultation that the government did prior to invoking the emergencies act they didn't take into consideration the, the indigenous community and they had quote unquote a lack of respect for the indigenous community and here's the reason why that's funny justin trudeau keeps saying that he's the biggest purveyor of dei he's the biggest feminist out there he's the most inclusive prime minister we've ever seen he loves indigenous communities even though he's not providing clean water to them he loves the indigenous people and i've got the chief of the indigenous chiefs something like that from british columbia who says that he had a disrespect for indigenous communities so anyway that was my rundown of the closing statements um and i think shortly we'll be able to move on to alan hotter and i just need to specify that they got like some representative from saskatchewan and alberta government at take across an examination like they were there they they asked questions but they were the less and like there when the emergency that was deployed either ontario quebec the one who were there the most providing policy and supporting the emergencies that none of them came and talked well and they also uh, in the case of Quebec, they didn't invoke uh, a state of emergency on their own, so they didn't. Mm -hmm. in, they didn't bother to take. Again, the whole point of the Emergencies Act is you've ran out of tools. Quebec didn't use the tools at their disposal. They didn't use their level of emergency. Mm -hmm. They just yeah. hit the nuclear button. Well, seven, seven out of ten, uh, seven out of all the provinces didn't use the Emergencies Act. Seven of them. Yeah. So now I think uh, it's time for changing guests. Yeah, Alan Hodder. Yeah. Are you? Which one of you is swapping out? Or are you both going? I'll 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 go. I'll, I'll go sit on the couch and listen listen to you guys. It was a long day, a long I six weeks. I, I've just recovered from my little sickness. I'm able to speak today. Yesterday I wasn't able to, and then my throat is starting to hurt a little bit right now again. So yeah, it's been a fun, long, and interesting six weeks. Yes, it has, William, and thank you very much for your hard work. Um, you are a working journalist twice your age and holding uh, some of the most powerful people in this country to account. So I'm I'm really proud of the work that you've done over the course of the Trucker Commission, but even before that, when you were cutting your teeth, doorstepping politicians to the <laughs> point where now I think they're going to build a tunnel <laughs> to, to get away from you. They're going to they burrow through are. the city streets. I know, like a mole. I'm like, yeah. that's William. Yeah. William did that. Well, well to, uh, in all fairness, they started building the the, the weird thing that's going to take more than 15 years to build prior to me starting to question Omar al-Jabra. But they are actually building a tunnel between all the, yeah. all the government buildings. Yeah. But uh, thanks, oh, thanks for your words, Sheila. Yes. Uh, let's hit an ad and then we'll bring Alan onto the set, please. Oh, hey guys, have you checked out our Rebel News store lately? 
You really should because we're always adding fun things into the store. As the news changes, I guess so does the merchandise. We've got something for everybody. We've got a great selection of pro trucker merchandise, like this excellent honk honk shirt right here that will surely drive all your liberal friends and relatives absolutely crazy, although I don't think the trip is all that far. But right now in the store, this is my very favorite t-shirt and I know t-shirts. Free Tamara in support of convoy leader Tamara Leach as she is treated like a common terrorist by Justin Trudeau's government for her role in the peaceful weeks-long street party against COVID mandates in Ottawa. I've got great news though if you can't decide which shirt is your favorite because right now at revelnewsstore.com you can use the coupon code FALL, F-A-L-L, and buy two t-shirts and get 25% off. And as always, shipping is free. So head on over to rebelnewsstore.com, pick your two favorite t-shirts and save 25%. Thanks, and remember, free Tamara. Freedom in the year 2022 for me, folks, it means the return of Rebel Live. Now, Rebel Live is an annual event we used to put on before the man, or was it the COVID Karen, made us shut it down during the pandemic years. It is a freedom fun fest, if you will. All the freedom fighters you've grown to know and love over the years, they're going to be speaking at the Toronto and Calgary events. The Toronto event is on November 19th. That's a Saturday. And it will feature the likes of Dr. Julie Panessi, Archer Pawlowski, Tamara Leach, and all your favorite rebels, including yours truly, I'll be the MC that day, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and of course, the big boss man himself, Ezra Levant. Now Saturday, November the 26th, we're bringing Rebel Live to Calgary, and uh, those aforementioned speakers will be there, and Sheila will be the MC for that event. You don't want to miss it. It's an all-day freedom fest. I know there are certain would-be conservative leaders that think freedom is overrated. You know we don't think that way. I don't think you think that way. So if you want to get a ticket, please go to the website. They are going fast. Go to rebelnewslive.com. That's rebelnewslive.com. Get your orders in. And as Billy Redlines used to say, folks, don't you dare miss it. Don't you dare miss this one. Well, hello, Alan. How's it going? Hi, Sheila. Great to be here. Um, uh, are you as glad as me that this is all over? <laughs> it, it it is a relief. It's uh, it'll be a weekend off, and then I guess we'll we'll move into drafting submissions. Now, uh, since you're a lawyer, I want to ask you what was the one legal thing that stood out for you today? I watched this through a layman's set of eyes. Um, for me. Uh, shocking once again that they're releasing documents in the middle of testimony of, of Justin Trudeau. Documents relating to his testimony were being released an hour into his testimony. What was the one thing for you that really stuck out today? Well, what, what I thought stuck out the most, um, it, it happened in the cross-examination of Justin Trudeau by the lawyer from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. And what she she managed to do is to to nail Justin Trudeau on the test, and on the test he considered when invoking the Emergencies Act. Because, Sheila, as you might recall, we we all thought we knew the test, 
that was was being used right. to invoke the Emergencies Act. And then we got a surprise when we heard from uh, the director of the um, National Security, well, the National Security Intelligence Advisor and the um, the clerk from the, the Privy Council. And then I don't know about you, Sheila, but I was quite surprised when I heard um, the director of CSIS say that he recommended the invocation of the Emergencies Act when he was simultaneously saying that um, it didn't meet the threshold under Section 2 of the CSIS Act. So we were we were all confused by that test, and we wanted an explanation. And what did what were they considering? And I think that lawyer nailed down for the first time that uh, you know whatever else, whatever you know, maybe the context is the same. Maybe the purpose is sorry. The context might be different. The purpose might be different. The decision might maker might be different. But uh, the test is the same whether you're getting a wiretap under the CSIS Act or whether you're invoking a public order emergency under the, the Emergencies Act. And that was the big breakthrough that we've uh, seen today. Yeah, because for the last, I would say, two weeks, they've really tried to sort of blur the lines between what we all thought the bar or benchmark was to invoke the Emergencies Act. It, I think it was probably universally understood that it was section two of the CSIS Act. And then that changed, didn't it? Once we heard, okay, CSIS said, no, it didn't rise to that benchmark. Then all of a sudden we're trying to change the definition of the Emergencies Act to fit what the liberals had done after the fact. Right. And, you know, you, you, you would read the CSIS Act and then you would read the Emergencies Act and then you'd you try and figure out, is there some contrary intention in this emergency <laughs> right. that I'm not seeing? And you read it over. And, you know, it, it's not just that, Sheila. You're trying to figure out exactly what is their position, right? You're trying to to, 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 to pin them down. And if you remember David Lametti, the Minister of Justice, when he uh, was testifying, he wouldn't talk about the evidence that he gave uh, to uh to cabinet, which we we talked about before, and then fair enough. But how are we supposed to know what they really considered if we don't know that? Yeah, and that was one of the things that I thought was really odd. Um, and it came, I think, the lawyer we talked about it just briefly, but I'll, I'll get your uh, sort of legal uh, um, opinion on it. I think it was the lawyer for the CCF who <laughs> showed Justin Trudeau that entirely redacted document that he told everybody earlier in the mm -hmm. day you should read it except he also admitted that he didn't read it. And then, you know, so the lawyer for the CCF says, well, if we should read it, could you have your lawyer just remove those redactions? And no, they they oppose the release of that document. Right. I mean, that was that was a masterful moment by the lawyer from the CCF. <laughs> are you playing the clip or, or should I yeah, we comment are. on it? No, you just go ahead and comment on it. We played it already, but it was kind of funny because okay. it's scrolling slow and then, oh, oopsie-daisy, there's all the black. <laughs> right. So, and I I believe that one was um, redacted for, uh, well, it, it, yeah. it was it, it was redacted for, I, I'm not even sure, I can't recall the privilege. Uh, it was, it was perhaps it was, um, it was most likely solicitor client privilege or, um, you know, I, to be honest, Sheila, I just don't remember. I, it's been such a busy day, but it was a type of privilege that I, I, I think Trudeau could waive, and he refused to do it. And you know, it, and his lawyer objected, and, and objected rightly. But it was a, it, it, it did send a certain message, and 
uh, it was one of those fun moments at the uh, commission. Yeah, the, you know, let's show clip four, another fun moment in the commission. If you think that your prime minister lying to you is fun. Um, so cl clip 24, um, it, it's in and around the time that a deal had been struck with the convoy to alleviate some of the pressures on downtown. And Justin Trudeau claimed that he became aware of it. We've heard previous testimony that he was well aware of it. Cabinet knew about it. Several people have testified to that, including, you know, his inner circle, but also police. And he said that he was advised that the agreement wasn't holding. But we didn't hear any testimony at all that the agreement wasn't holding. In fact, we heard from, you know, city managers, Steve Kenilakos, from, from OPP, that indeed they had moved 100 trucks in good faith, or 100 vehicles, sorry, in good faith, out of the downtown mm -hmm. core. So the agreement definitely wasn't, or was holding, but Justin Trudeau just decided it wasn't. Um, and decried it as fake news. Let's throw the let's show that clip because it's really something else. Because he's literally the only person who was saying that those trucks weren't moved. Even the craziest counselors said those trucks were moved. Let's go to clip twenty-four. And at the IRG meeting, you were advised that there were breakthrough. There was a breakthrough agreement between the mayor of Ottawa and the convoy organizers to move trucks out of the downtown residential areas. Isn't that correct? Uh, that is not how I remember it, no. Okay, well, I can advise you that at the inquiry, it was confirmed by the documents your officials filed here and by witnesses, namely Jody Thomas. She confirmed that at that IRG meeting, you were briefed that there was an agreement with the mayor. Does that, uh, do you recall that? With whom? But, but with the mayor and who? Some of the convoy organizers. Which ones? Well, Tamara Leach, who's present here in this room, signed a letter. It was made publicly available on the news on Sunday, February 13th, and you were advised of that agreement at the IRG meeting. And we were also advised uh, that that agreement wasn't holding and that many of the convoy had decried it as uh, fake news and not actually an agreement that they would abide by. And you learned that on Twitter, is that correct? No, we learned that at the at the IRG. By whom? By our collected officials. Thanks. That's not what the official said, is it? Why don't you tell us, Sheila? You've been following this so closely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. That is the, the officials <laughs> never said that. They said, uh, Steve Canalacos, who People from the OPP said, um, nope, they actually did move 100 vehicles, some of the big trucks and smaller vehicles. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, one of our Airbnb friends there today, Tom Morazzo, was uh, instrumental in doing those things. And it was, in fact, the invocation of the Emergencies Act itself that put an end to that because it caused a redeployment of police to the protest. That's right. <clears throat> and, you know, it's, it's really striking that, um, you know, in, in Ottawa, Things were really starting to to settle down. Trucks were moving out of the residential areas onto Wellington. Some of them moved. Some of them just left. Right. You'll recall that evidence. And there was a plan in place. Um, why was the Emergencies Act invoked at that time? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that it was invoked when that was happening in Ottawa, when, when things had settled down, the, the, the bridge had been cleared in Windsor. We all know that. We've heard that many times now. 
the situation in Coots was, uh, he, we know from the first minister's meeting that it was about to resolve as well. They were about to take action and it did resolve the next day. Right. So, so why then that's sort of an unanswered question, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And in fact, you know, we know the situation in Windsor had resolved, um, right then because all those additional OPP officers were redeployed to Ottawa to deal with the convoy because Windsor had a result. Nobody is even disputing that fact. Everybody acknowledges that the situation in Windsor had resolved. You saw the uh, the note from the first minister's meeting today. Justin Trudeau was 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 commenting on what an amazing job the police did in Windsor. It was a complete success yep. story. Dana Early, who was the superintendent, who who was also a superintendent early, she's a member of the OPP. She was the critical incident commander in Windsor. She, she received an award for 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 the job she did. <laughs> says, and you know, oh. and afterwards they had all those concrete barriers in place. Uh, you right. know, along uh, here, I think it's called here on Church Road. And yeah. so I don't think they had to be too worried about, um, they, they certainly didn't have to be worried about trucks blocking the no. Ambassador Bridge. No. And that was one of the things Justin Trudeau said, oh, even though these things were resolving, we still needed the Emergencies Act to make sure that they didn't re-manifest somewhere else. He, he seemed to think that the situation wasn't improving, which was, uh, to me, that was contrary to the evidence. I think it it was improving. And, you know, the, the biggest concern was undoubtedly the Ambassador Bridge. And nobody yeah. is contesting that that situation uh, hadn't resolved, or at least the, the the crux of the crisis was, was passed. Right. Right. Which leaves us with revoking or invoking the Emergencies Act because of inconvenience in Ottawa. Really. Right. And, you know, I think that it's, it's very troubling. Uh, you know, we heard a, a, a lot of evidence early in the commission about how uh, the the powers from the Emergencies Act were, were useful but not necessary. And a lot of this is just because of timing constraints, but nobody really... Uh, challenged those witnesses on how awful that was. You know, yeah. it, it is quite useful to take away people's charter rights. Yeah. You know, or, you know, I always think of the truck drivers. I think they were very much, uh, the tow truck drivers, I think they were so overlooked because they were compelled to do something that they didn't believe in. You know, it yeah. was against their moral beliefs. It was against their political beliefs. They were compelled into servitude. And that is so degrading. But yeah. it was very useful to be able to compel those tow truck drivers. And maybe that didn't happen. You know, we heard that it didn't actually happen. They didn't actually have to compel anyone. But that's beside the point. That's what the measure allowed for, right? And that's what's so offensive. And I think it'll be a stain on, on our history. That That's something that we just, uh, you know, we, we thought, well, it would be, uh, you know, that's something that Trudeau said today. He said it would be, useful to be able to compel tow truck drivers and at one point when he said that he said you know to fulfill their contracts but it wasn't no. just to compel people to fulfill their contracts it was more universal than that yeah he was it was to indenture those people as tools mm -hmm. of the state and uh i i know hatim care from the jccf really hammered um the ministers the other day on that issue of did you ever have any consideration for the charter rights of tow truck drivers that you 
uh, press ganged into servitude against their That's will right. and often against against their conscience. That's right. He and I were talking about that throughout the inquiry, and we we're trying to figure out, well, where where, where can we get this in? And you, you know, <laughs> you only have so much time with every witness, and and when and he did such a good job of that, and I was so happy to see him uh, bring that point home very clearly. So what's left to do with the, this commission? What's, what are the next steps? Who's doing what now? Well, so the next, there, there are two major steps. So for, for the parties, uh, like the, the Democracy Fund, the JCCF, Citizens for Freedom, uh, we're going to be concentrating on written submissions. Now, you've, you, you perhaps you've heard some submissions today. They were five minutes each. Those aren't the real submissions. The parties were just asked to put something together uh, to assist uh, the commissioner because he has a, a huge amount of work to do. And this, the written submissions are not due until the night, but I think this will help him, um, help him to stay quite productive in that interim period. And there will also be a policy phase and, you know, Sheila, I, I think I'm, myself, I'm quite worried about the policy Me too. phase. Me too. I think, you know, I think even if we had a favorable result in the commission and if the commissioner said uh, this, um, you know, the invocation was not justified, we could get some very bad policy um, uh, recommendations coming out of this uh, this commission, we've, we've seen some of the things that the other parties want, right? They want to clamp down on what they say is misinformation. But that's that's a dangerous thing, because who determines what is misinformation? I think they're probably going to want to make, uh, some people will probably want to make the Emergencies Act more flexible and, and easier to invoke, and I don't think that should happen either. No, I think, think? It should, I think it should be even more clear. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. more difficult, and that is my concern too. Is they're going to see the recommendations of the commissioner, the findings of the commissioner, and then change the law itself to make it easier to invoke? And we've we're bordering on normalizing invoking this thing. We heard today that Justin Trudeau wanted to invoke it to deal with the pandemic, and the first minister sort of talked him out of it, and he couldn't be talked out of it this next time around. It sounds like, and so I'm very concerned about making this thing easier to invoke because they don't they haven't had even a moment of sober second thought there's not even a single person expressing any sort of regret for how canadians were treated in all of this yeah yeah that's right and you know i would like to see i would actually like to see the the act clarified um, yeah. You know, because when, when you read that section of, of the Seasons Act, when you read section 2C, which we've been so focused on, um, you know, it, it talks about, uh, you, know, you know, acts of serious violence and, 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 and threats uh, of serious violence. But it's really, it's quite close to the definition of terrorism as set out in the criminal code. Right. right. And that's a very high threshold. And when we think about what happened in, in Ottawa, we don't think about that as terrorists do we no. most people don't no. and if, if that was if if that's uh, you know there, there were documents there were seasons documents and that's how they kind of referred to that area because you know they, they I, i'm guessing here that they just had their own convenient way of referring to it and they call it terrorism and um uh, extremist violence right uh, but that's not what was happening we didn't see that no no, and I would I would like to see even that section itemized. 
it, it even feels a little just too vague as it is right there when threats of serious violence. I've listened to people tell me that honking is violence during this commission. So I would like to see that just tightened up with a little, a few more specifics. Right. It, it, it's, it's, there's, it, it doesn't really help when a, we we take a, a word and it sort of changes its, its meaning, right? It, it it really waters down uh, the concept, and and we you know we we've been doing that for a long time, but now we see uh, the effect it can have in in real life. Yeah, the real life so, consequences. So I, yeah, I think you, I think you're right. We should clarify that. And you know, I, I there there is a case from the. Um, the Ontario Court of Appeal. It came out a little while ago, and I can't remember exactly right now. The, the name of the case uh, this escapes me, and, and, and part of the reason is because I'm just thinking about it on the spot. But they they looked at the the definition of free expression, and, and you might be aware, uh, Sheila, that violence is an exception to free expression. Ex expression protects anything that conveys meaning, right? That falls within the ambit, right. but not violence. But the the Court of Appeal judge in that case who wrote the decision made this distinction. He said, no, no. But when we're talking about violence, we're talking about physical acts of violence. We're not talking about words. Right. Right. So there's, there is some good precedent out there, but we got to make sure uh, that um, it stays that way. Right. Right. I don't think we need the university humanities student definition of violence creeping into our legal system. Alan, I want to thank you so much for the hard work that you've been doing. And um, hopefully you can take a little bit of a breather as we move into this next phase and uh, just thank your family for, for letting us borrow you in the fight for freedom for so long. Well, thanks, Sheila. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks. Um, Olivia, let's go to an ad so we can let uh, Alan leave the set. Please, we'll bring on Tom. Thanks, Alan. opposition leaders, the federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act. Have you checked out the Rebel News store lately? We're always adding new stuff and just in time for Christmas, we've added some very fun trucker Christmas stuff. I cannot wait to get some for myself, but also for my family. And actually, I can get the shirt I want for myself for free. And so can you with our new coupon code. The coupon code is CHRISTMAS. And if you buy two unisex shirts, you get the third one for yourself for free. Just go to revelnewstore.com, coupon code CHRISTMAS to buy two shirts and get your third one free. Oh, hi, Tom. How's it going? I am a little sad that um, our fast friendship 
over the yeah. convoy will be sort of, yeah. I don't want to say it's going to be put on ice, but we're not going to see you every day. No, no, this is my, my last show. <laughs> oh, I hope we yeah, can figure out something else to keep you around. Yeah, I hope so too. I guess that's my job. You guys job. are a lot of fun. <laughs> you guys are a lot of fun. Now, I want to talk to you about um, the final day of the commission. And um, as I was saying to the kids, I say kids um, because yeah. William's involved. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah. it felt longer than 31 days, but also shorter than 31 yeah. days somehow simultaneously. It's very strange. But mm -hmm. I think today the star of the show, as I said at the beginning, was Eva Chipiak. Yes. The perfect tone. Um, and she decided that she was going to take her time to make sure that the people who went to Ottawa to be heard by their prime minister were at least able to be heard by him. And he couldn't squirm, mm -hmm. he couldn't run away, and he couldn't ca call them names. He couldn't. Yeah. And oh, the worst part was he tried to say, I didn't call them names, which he definitely did every opportunity that yeah. he had. But I yes. mean, Eva really put it to him. These are the people you hurt. Yes. And, you know, and he decided to do a, a an, an ad for Pfizer instead of actually listening and acknowledging <laughs> the pain he caused. Yeah. And you know what? We were uh, we were all so proud of Eva at the end of that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I and I can speak from, you know, I'd like to be able to say I'm speaking as her her client. Right. But it's not that it's uh, it's a deep friendship that uh, I've. I've been fortunate to be part of with Eva and Keith and, and a lot of other people that were part of the convoy and, and every day Keith and Eva were there with us during the convoy, you know, when they got involved. And, um, I, I, I'm so proud of Eva for how she did that. And she was the perfect person to go and deliver that, she that, was. uh, message today. Like we, we kind of looked at the whole legal team today and said, okay, who's, who's the best to, go and deliver a message on behalf of Canadians that we didn't get to deliver to Justin Trudeau last February when we were begging for it. And Eva was the perfect person to go and deliver that message. And, and that's why, you know, the team, as a team, we all decided that, you know, today is not about the legal arguments because Brendan Miller had done a great job. He brought us to the one yard line. Yeah. But it took somebody like Eva to really put the the ball into the into the end zone, and she delivered it like a master. Well, we know how Justin Trudeau feels about you know how he feels about smart, powerful women that he can't yes. control. Right? Mm -hmm. They tie him in Absolutely. a real knot, and I'm sure mm -hmm. he was excessively uncomfortable today. He prides himself on being a feminist, except until he runs up against a a, yeah. a woman who's far smarter than him, and that's what happened yes. to him today. That's exactly what happened to him today. And you know what I what I loved about it is that Eva really made him confront the harms that he had done in, in the most limited amount of time possible too, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I had seen her statement. We all we had all seen her statement. They were working on it pretty late last night and her questions, sorry, not the statement, but her questions to him. And uh, she rehearsed it at lunch, timed it and everything. And, you know, with only 10 minutes, she had 10 minutes in this entire 10, almost 11 month ordeal to make Justin Trudeau confront uh, the, the names and the faces of the people that he deliberately and solely impacted. The decisions rest at the top. They, you know, 
like it or not, whether you voted for Justin Trudeau or not, he is the final decision maker in the government of Canada. It was his determination to see that the Emergency Act was invoked against Canadian taxpaying citizens and voters. And she got 10 minutes to make yeah. him really look at the human cost of, of what he put has been putting Canadians through. And it was pretty disgusting and, and disingenuous the way he said, you know, that final question she asked him, you know, that final one at the end. And his smug answer was, I'm not afraid and neither is my government. It's like, yeah, yeah I, you know what? I'm sure Herman Goebbels said the same thing. Yeah, exactly. We have that at clip 27. Maybe we'll show that. It was really something else mm -hmm. um, because it, it was truly a question that Canadians do want answers to. And she took mm -hmm. the opportunity to ask it. And uh, he just sort of this smug little smirk mm -hmm. just he just so smug anyways i'm at a loss yes. for words let's roll this minister blair public safety minister minister mendicino national security intelligence advisor jody thomas and rcmp commissioner brenda lucky and today you testified that the federal government was committed to exhausting all alternatives to a resolution prior to making a decision to invoke the extraordinary powers of the Emergencies Act. Do you agree that that accurately describes your government's position? That the invocation of the Emergencies Act was a measure of last resort, was not something to be taken lightly. Thank you. And something to do when, when uh, other options uh, were not effective. And you are aware that the OPP, along with others, developed an engagement proposal, and you were advised of that proposal at the IRG meeting on February 12th, correct? Um, it was a proposal, but we had, and it was presented to us, we had more questions uh, about uh, how it would actually work. Uh, there, it was not a complete proposal. My last question, Mr. Prime Minister, when did you and your government start to become so afraid of your own citizens? That's a very I unfair. am not, and we are not. Those are my questions. Get his stupid face. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty cringy. That's that's for sure, right? Like I, you know, she asked a uh, an important question that he had to have known that she would have only asked if it if it if she wasn't representing at least 6 million Canadians in this country and his immediate go to was to grin in in pure defiance and then to to use words to say you know I'm not and we're not basically i yeah it's it's very grotesque to see uh and you know one thing i noticed with him unlike any other witness that we had seen there were several times that he would actually turn and face the audience and lecture the audience. He's performing. He was performing. Um, I, I was almost expecting to hear his father's eulogy that, you know, basically yes. put him on the map. Um, you know, I, I was expecting to hear a tear or see a tear or something. I, I thought he was going to be going for, you know, a Juno award to be perfectly honest. Um, it was, it was, it's a very surreal thing to sit in the room. That's the first time I've ever actually been in, in uh, the same room as him. Um, oh, I'm sorry about your was, luck. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been, I'm going to go have a shower tonight. Anyway, yeah. I, I find um, he was so incredibly well prepared for that. And, and I heard other people say that, 
you know, in the back room today to say how surprised and how comfortable he was in that room. He had a, a smugness and arrogance about him that was different than I noticed than the other two, the, the previous days, Mendicino and um, uh, the, the attorney general. Yeah. He's an actor they, though. He's an actor. This is just he's, a stage. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I've still got the cold, the Ottawa hack. I get it every time I come here, apparently. <laughs> um, now, uh, Sorry, I, I don't want to cut you off. I'll give you a no, little break okay. here. Uh, yeah. Let's go to clip 25, because this is after Eva reads those statements about people who are saying the people are so whipped into a frenzy that they're saying that I should be denied health care, that I should die. Mm -hmm. Friends mm -hmm. and family are divided from each other based on government rhetoric. She lists all she goes through these statements and Justin Trudeau doubles down and says that he wishes he could have done more. This his Pfizer yeah. salesman routine to get people mm -hmm. vaccinated. What the mm -hmm. hell? Anyway, let's roll clip 25. What a ghoul this guy is. Yeah. You have now heard the statements from some of the many concerned Canadians who felt compelled to support the protesters. Do you now understand the reason so many Canadians came to Ottawa with such resolve in the midst of a harsh, cold Canadian winter because of the harms caused by your government COVID mandates, and they wanted to be heard. I am moved, uh, and I was moved as I heard uh, these testimonies, as I saw the depth of um, hurt and anxiety about the present and the future expressed by so many people that COVID pandemic was unbelievably difficult on all Canadians. And my job throughout this pandemic was to keep Canadians safe. And the way that I chose to do that was to lean on public health officials, lean on experts and science on the best way to keep Canadians safe. And because Canadians got vaccinated to over 80%, we had fewer deaths in Canada than places that didn't reach that. And every heartbreaking story I hear of a family who sat beside the bed of a loved one dying because they had believed that the vaccines were more dangerous than the disease, I take personally because I wish I could have done more and, and I don't mean to, people to, to cut to you get off. Vaccinated. Eva is somehow the most patient person on the face of the earth. I don't know how she stood there and listened to him make the cries of Canadians about himself, about how he takes things personally. As I said to William and um, Alexa, Trudeau just loves to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. And he did it there, too. Yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I've often joked and said, yeah, the, the best way for human, the human species to get back to the moon is if they get vaccinated, right? Somehow getting vaccinated right. just <laughs> solves every challenge, every problem. Yeah. He's a one trick pony with that line. And he just, it's, it's, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. It's the same talking points. 
and he he's he was born into this line of business right i mean from his father he's been around politics since he was you know uh, a a child so he understands what it means to spin and to reframe like he's been doing it probably his his whole entire life and you just saw like a master like he should be doing master classes on how to spin things towards your own advantage and you're right he's he's always the bride never the bridesmaid that's for sure in in terms of um somehow this making himself the benevolent leader of all things uh good and wholesome and it's it's frustrating to watch because he completely ignores the central point of what Eva was saying. You now just heard all of the reasons why Canadians endured a, a hard, cold Canadian winter. They didn't do it because they, they needed a vaccine. What they did it for was because they lost their jobs. They were demonized by him and everyone who followed his rhetoric, demonized by the media. I lost my job. You know, why? Because the judicial system in this country, the doctors and the lawyers, and and I say with exception, of course, failed, failed right. to follow basic principles of their professions and to abide by informed consent, which is criminal code stuff when you violate uh, informed consent. It's actually criminal assault. Where were the lawyers when this happened? How is it that all of a sudden a host or hostess in a restaurant is now able to, with impunity, violate the Privacy Act of this country? You know, these people, leadership started at the top with the prime minister and with impunity, every level, every institution in this in this country took the lead from the prime minister of Canada and they violated every single law and institution that was meant to protect us. So if people believe for a minute that this had anything to do with COVID-19, why we were protesting had nothing to do with COVID-19. It had everything to do about the rule of law in this country and how COVID was the symptom that proved that it was easy flawlessly easy in this country to just violate your rights because now our rights COVID was the test and the right. test proved that our rights were easily violated by the government. Why? Because when the government gets cornered, they just reframe the definition of what laws are supposed to mean. Like we saw between the emergency act and CESA section two, they just reframe the whole narrative and give themselves extraordinary powers to violate our rights so it to me it never had anything about to do with the shot or or covid or lockdowns it had everything to do with the fact that the rule of law in this country is paper thin and that premise is supported by the actions of all the courts and all the cowardly lawyers and doctors in this country it was a large-scale ash conformity test. And if you've ever been yeah. in a room alone with Ezra for about 20 minutes, he'll open up his phone and make you watch an ash conformity test video. Mm -hmm. And the ash conformity test, for people who don't know, it is, um, it's really based on an appeal to authority. So mm -hmm. will you go along to get along if everybody else in the room is – uh, saying one thing, but you 100% know that another, it, that it's wrong. This is the Ash conformity mm -hmm. test. Yes. Um, and so these guys are being shown, I, I forget what they're being shown here, but basically there's one guy in the room who's not part of the test. Everybody else is part of the test. Like mm -hmm. they're actors in the test. And he, I think it is, okay, can you tell me which one is the shortest? 
And so everybody else is picking one that is not the shortest. And you know that's the shortest. But will you go along because everybody else is? Or are you the kind of person who says, I won't go along? And what happens is in some of these tests is they'll have one or two people who are also not part of the actors in the test. And once somebody breaks, everybody starts breaking. And that's what yes. the convoy did. The convoy was a nationwide ash conformity test where you knew you, you believed a certain thing. You knew certain things to be true. But until the trucker said, no, this is BS, <laughs> we don't have to live like that. And we don't have to get forcibly injected against, as you say, unemployment and not a disease. Um, once they stood up, everybody else stood up. And that's what's happening here. It, it was a nationwide yeah. ash conformity test. And, and you know what, I, I want to say something, and I, and I please, I don't mean, mean to make this about me, but I want to draw on an, ex, an actual experience sure. that I had with this exact same thing, because I'm, I'm very aware of this phenomenon. Uh, usually the story I've heard is about a bunch of monkeys in a cage with a ladder, but I'll leave that one alone. But <laughs> here's the thing. When I got fired from my teaching job, the college I belonged to put out an email from the president of the college and she used, you know, language like, let me be clear, very uh, aggressive language in her, th in her letter. And I looked at that and I said, well, because of my army pension, I'm a little bit less financially vulnerable, but even if that didn't matter, I still would have said, no, that's wrong. So I stood up and I actually sent an email to the entire, as many faculty, the president herself, uh, HRVP, and all the deans that I personally knew, and all the faculty saying, this is wrong. I don't know how you're getting around all these Canadian laws. This is immoral, illegal, and unethical. And, and funny, I got fired the same week as Julie Panessi. And she did the same thing in her school. And so there was people that, you know, they were the ones that were the non-actors inside the test. And you know what? I fully expected, truthfully, I fully expected all of the other people to come out of the out of hiding and back me up and say, you know what, Tom, you're right. Cause I put my personal email on the uh the email to all the faculty. I'm we're talking like 250 people. I expected them to all back me up. And you know what happened? The exact opposite. The horde actually turned on me, yeah. all of them, including my own boss, uh, the dean that I worked for, and a bunch of people. And somebody said, you know what, let's, let's kind of speak out against this guy. Uh, one of the PhDs said, no, I think we should speak out against this guy uh, personally. And this, is, this was the test that the college I belonged to in Barrie failed miserably yeah. right and i hate to say it but i hope someday in the future i run it and i've lost friends i lost good friends that i worked with they all turned on yeah. me but that's not unusual given this time but i think this test is is bigger and more serious than we all think it is because you know it's like you're going now you're doubling doubling down with hypnosis yeah um or mass formation psychosis is is what it's now popularly uh phrased as it's disturbing. I expected people to back me up, but they didn't. It, there's, you know what, though, there's another experiment, and I think about this all the time. Every time I see one of these public health Milgar. officers, I call the, the Milgram, the Milgram the one. The Milgram, yeah. The Milgram experiment, because it, 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 we all went through 
exactly mm -hmm. that. When we have our public health officers, I call them public health necromancers because they <laughs> use the dead <laughs> and dying to control the living. Yeah. Um, but the Milgram experiment for people who don't know is, will, what will you do if somebody in a lab coat tells you to do it? Would you shock <laughs> another person until you maybe think they're dead? Would you do it if a guy in a lab coat told you to do it? And a surprising number of people you think are smart would do it because a guy in a lab coat, you don't even know he's a doctor. Like literally they never even told these people that guy's a doctor. He just wore a lab coat, which yeah. gives off the perception of that. He's uh, someone of authority, someone who knows yes. better. And the, basically they said, would you keep shocking this guy? And sh now nobody was actually shocked. I think the guy was an actor. But a substantial amount of people would do whatever a guy in a lab coat told them. And mm -hmm. if you've been on Twitter lately, you know that those people are real and they are wearing masks in their profile <laughs> pictures. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think we should go to um, – we should wrap up because these guys have had a very long day. <laughs> um, I bet you guys all want to go for beers together. Um, let's uh, – Sorry. It's okay. Let's go to clip 26. It's Eva mm -hmm. reminding um, the prime minister what his role is as the prime minister. And it's not to uh, divide the country into mm -hmm. um, medical status. People have testified in this inquiry referencing your widely published comments and calling the unvaccinated racists and misogynists. And we have heard testimony in this inquiry about how some of your officials wanted to label protesters as terrorists. Would you agree with me that one of the most important roles of a prime minister is to unite Canadians and not divide them by engaging in name calling? Uh, I did not call people who were unvaccinated names. I highlighted there is a difference between people who are hesitant to get vaccinated for any range of reasons and people who deliberately spread misinformation that puts at risk the life and health of their fellow Canadians. Okay, and well, my focus every step of the way and the well, primary responsibility of a prime minister is to keep Canadians safe and alive. Small fringe minority okay. with unacceptable views is what he called mm -hmm. them. And that's not he didn't preface that with saying, oh, but these are people who are spreading disinformation about vaccinations. He didn't say that. Yeah. That's what he called no. the convoy. Mm -hmm. Well, fun fact. Uh, how many Canadians ever heard the word misogynist until it was uttered by that man? Yeah. How many people honestly ever used that word in this country until Justin Trudeau? Basically, he should he should literally Rob Kittredge is a uh, patent lawyer. Maybe I yeah. should, you know, talk to him about helping Justin Trudeau uh, out on that one, right? He's uh, like the whole room. Like Rouleau at uh, one point had to threaten to clear the room on our side of the room yeah. because the crowd was really having a hard time, uh, you know, choking down his lies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is absolute yeah. gaslighting. I, mm -hmm. He's they are extremists. They don't believe in science. They're often misogynistic. It's yeah. a small group, but that takes up space. So what do you want to do with yeah. them, Justin? What do you want to do with them? This sounds this is genocide talk, by the way, like when they're like, yeah. oh, they're, they're just taking up space. What do you want to do with them? Where should they go? Like yeah. the, you uh, want to follow it, the science. Things take up yeah. space when they exist. So mm -hmm. what do you want them to do not exist? 
Yeah, you know, and add that to the level of fear. So if we go back a year ago in this country, let's talk about the level of fear that we had. We had Quebec who was now threatening to not let unvaccinated people get groceries. We had a rolling, um, slow rolling, I'll use that as a joke, slow rolling lockdowns. We had mask mandates. We had vaccine passports. We had quarantine hotels and you guys covered it extensively in the gta where in the early days of the quarantine hotels i remember a story you guys did where there was a woman taken by law enforcement right off the plane and ushered to a quarantine hotel and they refused to tell her husband or speak to her husband of the location she was going and she was in a suburban for well over an hour traveling to an undisclosed location and as far as i'm concerned that's kidnapping if i was her husband i would have been on the phone calling the rcmp uh to say that my wife had been abducted because it's exactly what it was and and you know you look at combine that with all the rhetoric coming from the mainstream media that newspaper article that came out last year, all the tweets, the quoted tweets on the front page of, of one of the mainstream newspapers, vilifying unvaccinated people. If you look at the level of fear that people in this country went, were going through a year ago, no wonder, no wonder that convoy rolling across this country was A, humongous, and B, so well supported by millions of Canadians and Americans and Europeans in this country. And so they're all sitting here as if though these benevolent leaders, you know, were were protecting their and not doing enough to protect their children. Well, I'm sorry, you disgusting people set the conditions for a level of fear that nobody has ever seen on this continent, other than maybe the Japanese that were interned in World War II. Yeah, that's how yeah. bad it was. Or, or let's say indigenous people that have been interned in this country. This is how we all felt. We all felt like this was 1933 and Adolf Hitler had just been uh, put into power as the chancellor of Germany. This is yeah. how people that were unvaccinated felt in this country. And why? Because of Justin Trudeau in his cabinet. And they didn't know when it was going to end. You know, there was no end mm-hmm. in sight. They kept saying, follow the science. But anybody who was looking were, was thinking, mm-hmm. they're not following the science. So what is going to happen to me next? And so, yeah, there was mm-hmm. a substantial portion of Canadians, 6 million of nearly mm-hmm. 40 million Canadians were basically othered from society, abandoned by their friends, put out of work, abandoned by their family, not allowed to travel, mm-hmm. disconnected, couldn't celebrate holidays, couldn't go work out, couldn't watch their kids play hockey. And mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau just sort of shrugs it off and says, no, I, I didn't play any sort of role in doing yeah. that to those people. I didn't do enough, which means I didn't finish the job. Why? Yeah. Because a whole bunch of truckers came to Ottawa and put a stop to his plan. Yeah. And that's the that's the reality, right? There's, there's people that started this convoy, you know, and then... You, you can't do anything without the the support of this. And, and all of the people that came to the convoy on weekends, like we spoke about the other night, they were the perfect examples or, or sample of everything that is Canadian. From every province, they came to this country and every territory was represented at the convoy in Ottawa and other locations. So, you know, that's the big question that really I don't think was explored nearly enough by any of the legal teams. It's like, 
why did all of these protests pop up all over Canada and then all over the world? Why? Because free citizens were terrified of their own governments and they took it upon themselves to push back, which we all believed was our Section 2 Charter right, the right to peacefully assemble. And again, I still have yet to hear, it's the commission's over, but I've yet to hear at what point did the convoy become illegal? They still yeah. can't answer that question, but they just say it's an illegal pro or an e illegal occupation, a blockade. These are all military terms, by the way. They're not meant for your citizens. We were not an occupying army, which is the definition of the word. But I understand the context. But in reality, let's talk about how much fear occupied all of our minds as six million unvaccinated Canadians. Yeah, it was is overwhelming at times. And uh, I mean, do we really want to talk about the number of small communities uh, that have popped up all over this country in in more uh, rural areas? People are walking away from society because they realize how disgustingly corrupt it is in this in this country. Right. They don't want to be governed anymore. They're, yeah. they're taking steps to form their own independent communities. They're homeschooling. They're finding medical needs. They're getting out of the system. And I can't say I blame them because that's the exact reason why I bought all my land. Because yeah. I'm done with this crap. Well, as they say, the mark, the arc of the moral wow. universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And I think mm -hmm. the natural human inclination is to be free. People will only be... Kate they will only be caged birds in fancy cages for so long until mm -hmm. they've had enough. And, you know, while Justin Trudeau, as you say, wants to be a benevolent leader, I'm just looking out for my people. I'm keeping them safe. You're keeping them caged. Yes. And sometimes, uh, you know what? I'll be an ugly seagull flying free before I'm a fancy mm -hmm. little parakeet in a gilded cage. That's for sure. Agreed. <laughs> well, I, you know what, Tom, Absolutely. I think we should, uh, I think we should leave it on that note. I think um, mm -hmm. probably my friends in the studio there, both in Toronto, but also in the satellite studio of the Airbnb, would probably mm -hmm. like to go and get something to eat and maybe a beer and celebrate the end of 31 long days of work. Tom, thank you so much for your stand for freedom from the very beginning, but also for your expert analysis from the inside of both the commission, but also from inside the convoy from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to come hang out with us every night in the, in the Airbnb, but you do. And we appreciate it. And you always bring a very unique perspective. And like I said, I'm sort of sad that it's coming to an end. This is probably the yeah, one of the too. good things that came out of the commission. Yeah. I'm going to have to go get a job as a Walmart greeter. So if Walmart, you're listening, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for a job now. Does having a master's degree qualify me to say hi to people at Walmart? I hope so. Because <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, Olivia says uh, we have one chat i'm not sure where it is though olivia maybe we should get to it because someone was generous with us i'm looking oh were they pinned in the main thread okay well i don't know where that is and i'm looking right now on my phone i have one from annalisa 1964 sorry if we can throw to that one first because that's the only one i have Perfect. Annalisa 1964 gives us 10 bucks. Says, I must send a big shout out to William, you manly mm -hmm. man. Don't worry, Sheila. My sweet Menzies still has my heart. Well, this is Annalisa. Yeah. Uh, David Menzies in the bloodstream like an AstraZeneca clot with her. Anyway, she she says, you're all amazing. And then we've got Shauna Marie G83, 10 bucks. 
Alan, you did. This is for Alan Honor. Alan, you did an amazing job. I think it was very wise to have you speak last, as you're articulate and very matter of fact, but your demeanor is thoughtful, and therefore you represent mm -hmm. the truckers very effectively. Yeah, he does a great job. And Shauna Marie G83 gives us another five bucks. I can't believe Trudeau had the audacity to swear on the Bible and blatantly lie. I have lots of things to say. I'm just going to keep them to myself. If if in the end justice is not served, he will have to meet his maker and experience the full wrath of God for his actions. You know what? From your lips to God's ears, Shauna Marie. Mm -hmm. And another one from Shauna Marie, G83-5. God love Eva. She brought heart into yeah. it. Boy, did she have it. was mm -hmm. fantastic. The perfect yeah. bookend. Um, yes. And says, I truly believe that Trudeau doesn't have a compassionate cell in his body. It's a battle between those with integrity and those without. Like everything, Sean, I think it's a battle between good and evil. And the good news is that in the end, and it might be long, but good always wins. Mm -hmm. Can I give one last final thought? Yeah, of course. So I started watching Rebel at the beginning of the pandemic. I didn't watch any mainstream media, nothing. And you know why I watched you guys? Because your segments were always so long and you guys never gave yourselves an opportunity to edit the yeah. the story. It was always raw and it was always as truthful as you could possibly make it. And you covered all of the stories that people needed to hear. The stories that were not getting out, that were being literally stonewalled by all the mainstream media and the government. And you guys went out and you fought at a lot of personal cost. You know, you got Alexa that got shot in the leg by a, a projectile. People were pepper sprayed. You guys covered all the stories. You got arrested. You, you know, you guys fought to get the truth into the hands of, of, of the people. And so, you know, to to have the opportunity par to participate with rebel news and to come here. I mean, my, my, my time for you guys is a thank you for you guys. It's not, you know, it's not taking away time from me. It's actually me giving back to what you guys did for me personally in the two years and a half now leading up to this commission. So I really want to thank everybody at Rebel News for everything you guys have ever done, fighting for the stories and telling the truth to, to Canadians. Because without you guys, nobody would have ever had a fair chance at learning what the hell was really going on in this country. Because you guys were the first and the only true ones out there digging for the truth. So thank you guys so much. Well, Tom, I really appreciate those kind words. You've spent some time with us, so you know that we're all just normal average people and I think that's what I strive to do here at Rebel News is give a voice to the normal average person that the mainstream media generally looks at like they're a zoo animal but at the end of the day <laughs> none of this is possible without the support of our viewers at home um, you know that we we see it all the time when we're out on the streets there are people who are cheering for us to just keep going and keep fighting and telling the stories that matter every day so while you're thanking me i'm going to thank our viewers at home and everybody who supports us particularly at truckercommission.com um we don't rely on justin trudeau we rely on the support and love of our viewers and we feel it and we're grateful for it and so on this very last day of the trucker commission i just want to thank everybody at home for their ongoing support of us here at rebel news and with that love fest let's wrap her up and as david menzies always says stay sane what do you say sir to the suggestion that the decision to invoke the Emergencies Act on February 14th of this year was politically motivated. 
my motivation was entirely about ensuring the safety of Canadians. My secondary motivation was making sure Canadians continue to have confidence in their institutions and in our society's ability to function uh, and enforce the rule of law when it's not being um, respected. Uh, politics uh, was not um, a motivation at all in the invocation of the Emergencies Act. 